project resume can make your medical coding dreams come true. From resumes to interview skills to navigating a successful career, Project Resume has the advice you need from coders you can trust. See all that we have to offer at projectresume.net. Please make sure to reference Medical Coding Geek when you place your order. Do you need a specialized recruitment partner to send you only qualified candidates? Do you need interim staff while you conduct a search for a permanent employee? Or are you losing hires to competitors? Renowned Talent recruits experienced HIM, RCM, and CDI professionals using their trusted candidate screening and retention process for health systems and employers around the U.S. Whether you have one or multiple openings that you need to fill ASAP, please visit Renowned Talent. And tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. Again, visit RenownTalent, R-E-N-O-W-N, Talent.com, and tell them you heard this ad through the NEC podcast. You are listening. You are listening. You're listening to. Do not to not elsewhere. Not elsewhere. 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 Classified. Welcome to Not Elsewhere Classified, a podcast about the medical coding, health information technology, and clinical documentation improvement community. I'm your host, Brian Kui. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Not Also Classified podcast. If you're listening to this podcast for the first time, welcome. Over 70% of our listeners listen to this podcast through their iPhone. So please pick up your Apple device, go to Apple Podcasts, and leave our show a five-star rating and a review. You can check out Medical Coding Geek and Not Elder Classified on social media, including Facebook and Instagram. You can check out our Facebook groups by going to medicalcodinggeek.com slash services. And while you're there, if, if you need a speaker or a partner to promote your brand or service, feel free to reach out to us. And of course, you can find me, Brian Kui. My last name is spelled C-U-I on LinkedIn. So today on the podcast, I continue my conversation with Alan Frady and Amy Char from the podcast Coder vs. CDI. So in last week's episode, we got to know more about Alan and Amy. But in this episode, we talk about how Alan got the podcast started, how he chose his co-host. He asked questions about my YouTube channel, and we discuss the dynamics of his podcast and go into an extended Coder versus CDI episode. So without further ado, here is the continuation of my interview with Alan Frady and Amy Char. Enjoy. Let's dedicate this other half, depending on how long it goes. Let's talk about your podcast, guys. Uh, so, first of all, first of all, let me go back, right? So, I think I was on, uh, what was it? The Actus, Actus Radio? Actus Podcast? Actus Radio. It was Actus Radio? Is that what it was called back then? Um, I, yeah, they changed it They changed back. it? Yeah. Um, so, I was on the podcast uh having to do with the uh, personal branding professional branding for cdi whatever it may be and i know it was brian um brian murphy and then you were the the co-host right and i know you asked me a question i forgot what the question was but i know my response was 
well, that means you need to have a podcast. <laughs> I was really talking to you <laughs> because, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've actually, um, I've been in your webinars when, uh, when I used to be a CDI. I'm like, who's this guy? He sounds pretty cool. <laughs> and, you know, because it's usually, um, you never hear uh, guys in the profession, right? So it's, it's kind of refreshing for a guy to hear another guy because uh, there's not too many of us. Uh, you know, doing a webinar. So I'm like, okay, who's Alan? <laughs> so when I finally got a chance to to be with you on the podcast, uh, you know, I'm like, this guy needs a podcast himself. So uh, I think then from there we met at the Actus Conference very briefly, right? So I was I attended your your um, I attended the first session in in Orlando, and then we had a very brief moment. Uh, I think at the end. I remember the last thing you told me is sorry sorry for my coffee breath. <laughs> you remember, <laughs> you remember that, that? That sounds right. If it was at the end, I was probably three cups um, three cups down for the day. So yeah, you know those are those were those were good times. Mm-hmm. And um, there's something you may not recall during that period. I was also trying to do a YouTube channel. Were and you? I did about. Yeah, and I learned how to 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 edit the timeline and and put an intro in and music and everything mm-hmm. and. I was trying to do the Mr. CDI, so and it was that Mr. CDI brand. Right. Because I remember we talked. This was years ago about mm-hmm. me coming on your podcast mm-hmm. then, and um, I just I just didn't like the YouTube channel. I just didn't like the format, mm-hmm. so I gave it up. I hated looking at myself, oh. and it didn't seem like the type of content that was going to lend itself to a YouTube channel. And I know you're starting one now. We could talk about that. But at the time, <laughs> this was about five years ago. Uh-huh. I just I just kind of gave it up and. Only recently, I thought, oh, maybe I'll just do a podcast now that everybody else is making it work. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, uh, it was just honestly, uh, Brian. It, it, you know, it was a wild idea. You you mentioned the icon, which I think I spent about thirty seconds on. <laughs> we we still. I, and the first few episodes were using like a little boom mic from a gaming headset. Mm-hmm. I think. And we still haven't bothered to do an intro or an exit. I'm not even sure if we will. But uh, we're having fun doing it. I think that's all that counts, yeah, right? Yeah. The, the mm-hmm. fact that we're having we're having fun doing it. Um, so, ha- so this became kind of philosophical. And uh, you haven't asked me the question yet, but I'll go ahead and answer go it. Go ahead. <laughs> the, uh, the idea behind the show was to do something that was different, but it was sort of that meant to be that conversation that you have when the camera's off, when the microphone is off, mm-hmm. when nobody else is looking. And I wanted to get at what are the real problems that people are having? What yeah. are the what are the real pebbles in people's shoes? Mm-hmm. And I know it seems I, I do every week or two somebody will criticize me for being overly skeptical or overly criti- critical. Mm-hmm. Because it has a negative connotation, and I usually, you know, I think skepticism, honestly, to me, skepticism and criticism is the path of inquiry into what is factually true, mm-hmm. right? So I wanted to do something with somebody who was willing to take that chance and move as far away from bias as possible. Mm-hmm. So every job I've ever, ever had, mm-hmm. there's always been some kind of bias, some kind of pressure to say something positive that might not be positive mm-hmm. or not to say something negative when perhaps something negative needs to be said. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to move 
as far away from those restrictions as possible Good. and actually get at some of the core problems so that we can start having a dialogue and having a bigger dialogue. I would like to see a bigger dialogue in the community um, where we do some real problem solvings and not just cheerlead, sort of toe the company line and yay team, everybody's yeah. good, everybody's great, right. there's no problems. I wanted to actually dig into that. Um, and, and and scratch at that a little bit, and it's, I think Amy and I have done a good job at least, you know, in in the beginning of this and mm-hmm. getting it started. But a lot of times, what we see, and I, Brian, I've seen you in those conversations on Coding Geeks and LinkedIn and Facebook and all the places. A lot of times, what I see, and and Amy, you can jump in here too, mm-hmm. is where someone will focus on one coding clinic. Or someone will focus on one thing that they think they know or one thing that they've been told by an auditor. Mm. And I really believe that you can't just focus on one coding clinic or one opinion. You have to look at the collective guidance. You have to look at the totality of all the rules and the spirit. You have to look at the total patient picture, not just what's written. And you have to follow that data to wherever it leads mm-hmm. in order to really understand truth. I'm getting all Bruce Lee here. In order to really understand <laughs> truth of what you're doing and it's not about getting some one rule and then using that one rule to justify doing something wrong it's about looking at everything and following that to some kind of truth even if it's unpopular or even if someone disagrees with it if that sort of makes sense yeah and so i i made a post you may have seen it and said would anybody be interested if i just randomly found a coder and argued with him and then released it as a podcast. And pretty much everybody said, I would listen to that. One person said, why does it have to be arguing? Why can't you be partners? And honestly, if you've heard the show, <laughs> if you've heard the show, we, we well, first of all, I want, I want to hear those differences of opinion. I think they need to come out. Yeah. But we're not really fighting, right? Mm-hmm. Amy, I think this is a good time for you to jump in. Yeah. Or, or, or I'll turn it back to Brian. Well, Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, so I responded, and um, my background was sort of, I was always one of those people that wanted to understand the why behind it. And maybe it was wanting to be a lawyer mm. when I was younger, and, and that's circle. how it manifests itself. But because the area of law that I was interested in was constitutional mm. law. And so if you think about some of the the case precedents of constitutional law and theory and whether you know it's a living document or do we have to go with the original intention you can apply a lot of those concepts to coding and to coding clinic and what was the original intent of that guideline etc so i've always been willing to engage in those deep philosophical conversations especially after work after a few cocktails and so once a week, I would have like a virtual happy hour with some of my my former mm-hmm. colleagues that are friends, and we would just convince about all of the things that were wrong in the mm-hmm. industry. And my husband would say, like, this should be yeah. a podcast. And, and I was just like, like, I have time for that. So I just never you know, did anything about it. Mm-hmm. And when Alan made that post, I just happened to see it. And I was like, you know what? I'm like, people have been saying that I should go argue with somebody 
on recording for a long time. So I, I took it as a chance to, to, you know, be involved. And Alan, I, I have to know what was your first impression? Do you mean my first impression the first time we did a show, or what? Just when you responded to the well, well, let me let me LinkedIn. jump let me jump in here. Yeah, um, yeah, we've taken over the show, Andy. Let's get back to Brian. <laughs> let me jump in here first. Uh, <laughs> let me first. How did I? Did before you guys did this podcast? Did you guys know each other or or what? No. No. So you never worked like, with each other. Of course. No, of course I know who Alan is. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard to be in CDI or involved in Actus and not know of Alan. Right. Um, But I don't think he had any idea who the hell I was. (laughs) (laughs) I had an idea. (laughs) And then, and then, Um, and then, Alan, did you? Aside from Amy, were there any other, I guess, takers for? For, for the arguing, I know, like, I, I followed that post. I followed the post on, on LinkedIn and then in the Medical Coding Geeks group. I think also CDI Network, right? I think you threw it in there, too. And I'm like, who's going to argue with Alan? <laughs> you know, like, it's tough to, to, to me, at least for me. If it was me, I think I'd be more a little intimidated to, to argue with you. Um, maybe because I have so much respect for, for what you do. And uh, I'm like, who's going to take on this role to <laughs> to essentially argue with Alan, you know? So were there any any other takers aside from Amy that were interested in in doing this? There were. And, and, and while I may be I may get on my soapbox, I really appreciate someone's opinion. Uh, it, it'll, it'll usually go one or two ways. They'll cite uh, some guidance that I, I don't think it fits and I'll just I'll just move on or. They really hit me with something, and mm-hmm. they made me stop and go, "Oh, wait a minute, I need to rethink this." And mm-hmm. that's always a moment that I'm I'm always moving towards those moments. And you should be, and and you know, when you've been in a career a long time, you have to work harder to move towards those aha moments. But I love it when they happen. So mm-hmm. there are some really strong coders out there, and I don't know if you've heard Brian, but coders at times tend to be kind of opinionated. Mm-hmm. So it isn't that hard <laughs> to find. A really strong coder who's willing to take up those debates. You know, we did I did have several, and and actually for those of you, if anybody's listening who responded, um, I haven't forgotten about you. Amy and I are, are still planning on having several of uh, people who said, yeah, I want to host with you or I want to come on the show, mm-hmm. to come on the show. But right now, I think we're still trying to find our sea legs, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the idea is to have a few more of those panel type things where her and I both interview someone else and even have another host and maybe I take a couple of weeks off maybe have more than just two hosts Mm -hmm. so we have um, we have some ideas to make it a bigger show but I'm I'm trying to make just get it established right now and I hope I don't accidentally sabotage it in the process of getting it established but that's the goal is to have bigger panels and bigger groups and even more opinions and even more uh, industry uh, views mixed in with these weekly shows, if that makes any sense. But have fun while we're doing it. Right, right. Amy was one of the first people to respond. Mm-hmm. And I, I once made a joke that, it, you know, it, it fit perfect. She responded quickly. She made herself available right on the schedule. Good. And she had a great personality. And so it, it just kind of played out that I was going to have to do a whole lot of work to keep trying to figure out scheduling. And I'm sure you can relate. Uh-huh. Uh, to figure out scheduling, to figure out the technology, to constantly be having new people and trying out. 
And for whatever reason, I just really got lucky, and Amy just came right in, and it just worked, which is not to say that any of the others wouldn't have, mm-hmm. but it just works. And so I, after a couple of episodes, what was it I said, Amy? I said, um, you know, do you want to make this a regular thing? I don't remember how I put it. I, I asked you if you wanted to put a ring on it. I mean, we're both <laughs> happily married, but this is two other people. But this is a marriage of convenience. No, the first podcast, I think, was kind of like a first date, if you will, mm-hmm. because you're trying – well, I mean, like in TV and film, you you do chemistry reads before you lock somebody into a cast, so it only makes sense. So part of it was you know wanting to do it myself, but also wanting to make a good enough impression that Alan wouldn't just be like, well, Amy, by default, it's you. Like I wanted to bring something to the table. Yeah, and I think you have – Oh, I was going to say the feedback from people who listen has been fantastic. The little bit that I do get mm-hmm. uh, so far, especially about Amy. So there you go. Yeah. The, the one thing that I, I can't say is when you have um, somebody else on the other end to talk to, uh, podcasting is, is it's, it's made easier that way uh, versus trying to do it solo. Now, I know you try to do some solo podcast episodes, right? So how did how did you feel in doing those uh, solo episodes versus doing it with Amy? So doing it by yourself, it does become more webinar-ish. Yeah. And as hard as you try not to make it sound like a webinar after a paragraph or two in, it still sounds like a webinar no matter how hard you try. Mm -hmm. And I think so, you know, those other podcasts, which I I have a lot of respect for that are webinar-ish, and I do listen to them because I'm trying to stay informed from every resource possible. Um, it's it's hard to make it conversational, and I will tell you that we got almost double the the clicks and the downloads and listens whenever it was conversational mm-hmm. than we would whenever I just did a standalone episode. But that also makes sense because I think it's just more enjoyable to hear the um, the pro and the con at the same time. The, you know, which kind of takes a little bit of the bias out, doesn't? It? If I say something that's a little too biased one way, mm-hmm. Amy will keep me honest. Mm-hmm. And I wanted that. I need. I need that check and and that check and balance to make the show. I think more um, legitimate. And um, if you just have two people who are saying the same biased thing, that's not great. But I really feel like Amy tries to keep me honest. And and I told her. I said, look, argue with me and check me. If I say something that you think is off base, check me because that's what the, the show needs to be about. That. And um, we'll see. I hope it. I hope it takes off and becomes successful. Uh, you were following the the uh, you were following it closer than I was at one point. I think I found this website because I was I was looking at the the Apple stats on on my podcast, and I know like for me in the in the in the section that I will, I am uh, for Apple Podcasts, it's under business and careers, and so I've been kind of levitating around the top two hundred podcasts, and so. I got curious. I'm like, what are the other podcasts doing? <laughs> you know, like, uh, so I found this. I found this uh, website that gave me like a free trial to uh, track other websites. Uh, the ones I did were, uh, I'll just say it, uh, Terry uh, Terry Fletcher's uh, Codecast. Um, I did uh, Alpha Coding Podcast, the the uh, Contempo Coding Podcast. I did Actus, Ahima. Um, and your podcast, and so what I was, what I was, uh, what I was so happy to find out was that you were, what was it, the top, what, top, top one hundred or something like that, top one hundred in the medicine 
medicine category for Apple Podcasts. So when I when I went in there, I looked at the stats and I'm like, boy, he's doing better than what was at the Journal of uh, of uh, I forgot which one it was the AMA JAMA. Um, Kevin MD. That's what, that's the one that I remember. You're doing better than than Kevin MD. His podcast. I'm like, wow, that's great. And I think you know, when whenever there's a, I guess in the beginning, whenever there's a flush or a rush of listeners, that'll bring up the 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 stats. And so, I mean, you picked a, a great um, a great category because when you look at the categories for Apple Podcasts, the one that the others are in. Uh, it, which is very broad, is health and fitness. And so when you think of health and fitness, I mean, you're not necessarily thinking of coding, you know, medical coding or CDI. Because um, when you look at, for example, I'll even say, because it's out there, you know, it's really out there. Ahima is doing, uh, I think, great in the Philippines, <laughs> right? Uh, I did, um, what's the other one? Uh, what's the other one? Top 10? Ten, top 10 top 10 Tuesdays or something like that. Is that the other one with Chuck oh, Buck? Yeah. yeah. He, yep. he, he chose news. And so news, he's doing great, I think, in like uh, in the Middle East somewhere, Jordan or something like that. And it's like there's nothing in the U.S. And so for me, it's uh, it's top 200. I used to be top 30 uh, for business and careers. But then yours was top 100 with, you know, for the first time starting in medicine. So I think like if there's a better way of I think it should be and I mentioned this to other people um that when they do the categories for Apple there should be one for healthcare, not health and fitness because when you think of health and health and fitness what do you automatically think of? People who do CrossFit, you know, the nutritional also the yoga, the weights, uh the deadlifting, you know, all of that stuff. Do you think of medical coding? necessarily within health and fitness the answer is no so i think they got to do a better uh or recategorization of the podcast in order for us you know for the coders for the medical coders the cdis the him people to get into there now i chose career because i think that's what that's what i'm pretty much doing is talking about people's career and i think when i do the first question it's really outlining their career so you know for those that are um that are starting out their podcast i think it's important to you know, when you start it up, find the right appropriate category, because if you put yourself in a general category, uh, it's going to be tough to rank yourself, you know, at least within the top 200 within the United States. Uh, otherwise, you'll be doing great in other countries, even though the message is for your United States listeners. Yeah, that's good feedback. I hadn't even thought it through to that level. So I have a question for you. Okay. Um, and and if you've if you've already kicked it off and I just didn't know about it, I apologize. But I, how's the how's the YouTube project going? Uh, good question. The YouTube project is is getting there. So, can you see my camera? <laughs> I can. I can see your ring light. Okay, yep. got the ring light right here. Uh, I I always give everybody the tour. I got a ring light right here. I got the camera right here. I got some. I got a light right here. I have another light right here uh so the lighting is is great i got myself a new uh shelf right here so i pretty much cleaned that up so i think this is the shelf is new, is now the backdrop so i did a test recording right so i did uh, i was gonna i had the perfect light and everything i got the, the another thing to do is what i had to figure out is the camera settings 
you know, because I had to watch a couple of YouTube videos and I think I got it right because uh, it's not it's not exactly 4K because the camera can only uh, handle up to 1080p. So right now it's at 1080p 30 frames per second. So I don't like the 60 frames per second because uh, when you think of 60 frames per second, if you're going to film it at 60 frames per second, you're, you're I guess from what I've been told, you're trying to do... Uh, you're trying to capture something in slow motion. So why am I going to talk and, you know, I'm not going to use 60 frames per second. So I, I got the settings down. Um, just a lot of work. So on top of that is a monitor. You see that camera there and there's a monitor right there. So I have to monitor my positioning. So I did a test video and um, I also record the audio separate from the camera. So I also have a boom mic. Oh, where's the boom mic? Gosh, it's so dark in here. So back there, there's a boom mic. So I'm actually using a microphone separately to record my audio and my video. So when I did the recording, um, the video turned out great, <laughs> but the audio didn't. It didn't capture it, or I didn't like the the audio because I would. Let me show you what I'm using. Hold on. I'm using well. I'm using a, a bigger mixer, so I use that specific mixer. So when I listened to the sound, it was so faint, but then. I figured, well, let me use what I've been using, uh, and it's the H4N Pro, so it's this one right here. And so I, I, I'm, I'm gonna do another test again. Um, what I, my plan to do is to just do a video and post it on LinkedIn and get feedback uh, to make sure that the audio is going on there great. So uh, once I test that, then I think the problem is 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 trying to script everything out. Because my goal for the YouTube video um, is not to have it like this podcast somewhat, but I think more just conversations within myself, but also educating at the same time. So like the the last uh, episode I did was about the CDIP. Maybe we could talk about that too, because you've been, <laughs> I think you got in trouble for for mentioning for uh, I saw in the in the CDI network something about you getting in trouble for the day about talking about the CDIP. But the, the format that I did with the CDIP uh, episode was just look over and read a post, right? I did it on the LinkedIn post and I would read comments. So after every comment, I would give feedback. And so essentially I was just interviewing myself. And so I said, maybe I could do that on video, you know, kind of read a little bit and then do interview uh, type of thing. Or... Um, make a very quick outline. That's why you see this, this, um, this whiteboard here. So I bought a whiteboard and every time I come up with a new video idea, I start writing a very quick outline because if I could write at least three to four bullets, I have about 20 minutes to talk about, you know, I don't know if you ever do do that where you write a, you know, like an outline. And then for me, if I could do one bullet, one bullet's 10 minutes. <laughs> so, so, but the thing is that I'm trying to, um, I'm trying to, what's the word or what's the, what's the, what's the transition here? I'm trying to not make it long form because if you let me talk, I will talk for about two hours. Right. So that <laughs> I wouldn't know anything about that. I'll yeah, know about always, <laughs> always short. So the challenge is, is, is now, going from long form to now 15 minutes, right? So when I did the practice video, I looked at the time 
I'm like, my gosh, that's 10 minutes. And it only to me, it felt like a minute, <laughs> you know, when I was when I was doing it. But I looked at the, the timestamp. I'm like, my gosh, this is going to be a little bit too easy for me. So I think the talking part is not the challenge. Right. So I, I, I think that's that was always in my head. What am I going to say? But I always have a lot to say. Go back to what you do in the podcast. I think the challenge is is how to organize the video in such a way that is educational. So I, that's where I study a lot of YouTube videos. And so when you what you see here is kind of like somewhat of a similar backdrop where I'll be talking, but you won't see the microphone, right? And then I'll be talking whatever. And then if I have something, you know, if there was a bullet, I would put it here or I would blur out this and I would make the I would make the I would put the bullet point here. Or if there's any interesting facts, I'll put them right over here or maybe i'll do a screenshot and then just you know cut to the screenshot so there's a lot of more directorial um decisions or things that i need to work on but i i can't i i won't be able to um know how to do it unless i do it (laughs) you know so uh i've talked to a lot of people and they're like just do it you know i you know it's for me i when i tell people to create podcasts i tell people to just do it so then I need to listen to my own advice <laughs> and then just just start it already because I think I have everything ready. It's just just get it started. And once I get it started, then from there, I'll figure it out. So same thing with your podcast. You got it started. Um, you feel like maybe you're lost in doing the podcast. But as long as you just keep on doing it, the direction will will eventually reveal itself. Well, I will say that I, I'm digging the microphone and and, and uh, big headphone sort of old tech youtuber look <laughs> no you it's can, not you could that's the thing i with, like it i, with a vid- I think you could do it i think you could shoot it just like this and do a show with you know with a better camera yeah and uh just put the board on the other side where i can't see it right yeah and move the lighting i think you uh, what do you think amy i would watch i think you could do the old school sort of i'm sitting here with my mic and headphones you know on camera i would well yeah. I- I think yeah, I, I'm gonna try it with without the headphones first, you know, and then without the glasses, of course, without the microphone in view, because I bought the, the, the microphones already one hundred sixty-five dollars. <laughs> oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta use, use it. That, right? I gotta use it. So, uh, but it sounds great though. It's versus this, you know, like for the the boom mic is very directional. So if you point it right at you, it'll capture you right away. So I'm I'm very excited to use that microphone. Um, it allows me to move around too, versus being limited to to this. Um, I may have to start uh, thinking about using uh, a lapel if I decide to use that board. But I think if I can work out the edits, where you know, for example, I'll put like a bullet point here, you know, that type of situation, and then put on a lower third here. Some stuff that you know you'll see visually as I'm talking. I'll add the text. I'll add the text here. I'll add the text here. Add, you know, if I go to another. Uh, bullet point. I'll go to you know add the bullet right here. You know something that's ver- more visually um, stimulating for people that are watching the video versus people who are just listening to the podcast. Well, I have one more philosophical thing. You don't necessarily have to put it into the show, but uh, I think Amy will agree with this. Is one so I want to take a moment to just basically call out the healthcare system, the entire healthcare machine, and then one of the problems that I have with it is it is traditionally very hierarchical and and patriarchal uh, as an institution as a whole. It's very intolerant of critical thinking, 
and honest feedback is oftentimes not encouraged and mm. there's there's repercussions for for making waves and for trying to do things that are really good for the industry but make people uncomfortable and that's very real and it presents a challenge for for forward growth and i think we really as a as an industry we need to do a lot better in terms of moving towards a culture that creates a safe space for people to bring true problem solving behaviors frontline workers people who who are, have sensitivities to the issues, to break down those silos and bring those things forward. Get If there's insecure leaders who are creating power struggles, that's just an obstacle to be removed. Mm. We, as, a, as an industry, we need to be more resilient in terms of being able to pivot faster if situations call for it and uh, put resources where the needs are and not have this mentality of just blindly following playbooks without an understanding of the nature of the problem. We need to be able to deal with problems that we have, that we actually have in front of us. And I, I think that that healthcare culture has been a part of the problem that has inadvertently held coders back and catapulted the nurses into those positions, you know, that we were talking about mm -hmm. before. And, you know, I just, I just don't think that's, I don't think that's the way. I don't think 2020 and the pandemic have shown us that the future of healthcare is going to continue to have strains and we can't continue to take uh, one year's worth of committees and one person who's got tenure, so to speak, to stop everything because they don't like it. That has to go away. You've got to let people innovate. You've got to let people speak out and you've got to let people meet them where they are and let them do what is what is going to be best for the industry in the direction that the industry is moving. And, you know, that's not exactly me and Amy debating about a particular coding uh, rule, but Amy and I debating about a particular coding rule is a part of that. Mm. Uh, and just like a nurse on the front line that can't, you know, that can't get the, the proper uh, measurement of insulin or can't get something out of the Pixis machine or the doctor who can't get, the, you know, when they couldn't get PPE, all of these problems, basically, I can track back to this healthcare culture that is dysfunctional. And people who've started speaking out against it, Z-Dog didn't get to where he is by sitting back and towing the official line. I'm not comparing myself to Z. Mm -hmm. But uh, my point is that we all have to start standing up and saying enough in whatever we do, wherever we are, when we see things that are dysfunctional and broken. And we have to ignore the negative people who don't want that to happen. I don't know. Amy, Brian, what do you, this is just, it's just something I feel very strongly about yeah. right now. The Haugen Consulting Group offers healthcare consulting, education, and auditing services utilizing a team of industry experts specializing in leadership, project management, and assessments for HIM and patient access. Their auditors and educators are experts in facility and professional fee coding and offer education for ICD-10 CM, PCS, CPT, HIM, patient access, and revenue cycle. The Haugen Consulting Group is thrilled to be a partner with MedicalCodingGeek.com and the Not Also Classified podcast. Go to thehaugengroup.com slash shop and use promo code GEEK15 at checkout to receive a discount on webinars and desk aids. Again, go to thehaugengroup, H-A-U-G-E-N group.com slash shop and use our promo code GEEK, G-E-E-K-1-5 at checkout. 
Looking for a convenient, cost-effective solution for interventional radiology coding training? Check out Cracking the IR Code, Mastering Interventional Radiology and Cardiology Coding Online Education. Created by interventional radiology coding expert Stacy Buck of RadRx. This comprehensive online training offers access to content for one year, Q&A support available during your one-year enrollment period, hundreds of coding scenarios, and actual operative reports. What are you waiting for? It's time to earn that specialty credential. Go to RadRx for additional testimonials and information, and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Again, go to RadRx and use our promo code GEEK10 for special pricing. Brian, I'm going to let you. Are oh, you going to let me? Give your opinion. <laughs> I'm more interested in your opinion than I am in mine. <laughs> well, you know, in in my experience in in working in healthcare, um if you had an idea and I, and I, I speak from experience. It's it's usually seen as subordination, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Uh, right. And so, uh, if you have fresh ideas that are out of the box, um, it's seen as subordination. Or you like they tell you, "Hey, calm down a bit. <laughs> calm down a bit, buddy. Uh, yeah. We're not ready for that." I think that's you know, if you if you keep on telling yourself you're not ready for it. I mean, when are you going to be ready? That that would be my that would be my next question. Well, when are we going to be ready? Because, uh, you know, before I, um, before I started doing all of this podcast stuff, I kept on questioning. You know, because I was a CDI specialist, I kept on questioning things about CDI. Like, why are we having this problems? Why are the physicians not answering the queries? You know, and I keep on thinking to myself, there's always a better way. And so when you look at LinkedIn and and you don't see the answers, I mean, who's going to give the answers, you know? Uh, so, you know, people are, you know, I would label coders back then, you know, cubicle warriors because they would stay in their cubicles and not say anything and then just put, you know, face to the paper, face to the computer and just do their work. And so when we look at, you know, the the... The, I guess the times now we need, and I've always been promoting that I've been telling people start a podcast because, you know, if you have an opinion, go ahead, put it out there. You know, don't be, don't worry about what other people think because it's, it's your opinion. As long as it's, and I mentioned this in, in Jim Zellum's podcast, as long as you have an opinion and you lay it out properly, you know, you don't, um, you say it in a way that doesn't really, uh, ruffle people's feathers to a certain extent where, you know, they start, they want to, you know, uh, kind of put their hands to their throat on you. <laughs> so, you know, you got to be very careful about that. But if you have an opinion, go ahead and say it. Because I think when you, um, when you open the lines for dialogue, right, versus monologue, I think that opens the door for discussion. Then it opens the door for education. And when you have education, as you mentioned before, Amy, you know, as I mentioned about the the fluidity from coding to CDI, then you you create more connections because you know, case in point, when I crossed over to inpatient, they hated me in the beginning. But when I work with them, when I when I went to them, and I wanted to learn from them. You know, I was from that point, I was in their houses. I was being fed, you know, mac and cheese. I was feeding, they were feeding me all their food. <laughs> you know, I was one of them now, you know. So 
it, it comes to the fact where you where you cross over to the other side, uh, not draw lines, kind of you know push over the silo, and then make connections. But you cannot make a connection unless you have discussion, and then from discussion you have education, and then from there you have because you know it's funny because that was I was that's what I was going to talk about in the LinkedIn post <laughs> for the test video, and it's right there. It's flipped around. <laughs> so, is right there, so you get it. You're getting a taste test of uh, what was I was gonna say on that LinkedIn test video. I like it. Now I think, Alan, to your point about the systemic issue with healthcare, I like to do a lot of personal growth, personal development, and you know they talk about how your thoughts wire your neural pathways, and so if you're a negative thinker you can actually be, you know, it can almost become physical. And so there's, you know, platitudes of like, change the way you say things, even if it's just to yourself, like instead of I have to turn it around to I get to, you know, and make it a positive. And as Alan was talking, I realized how many times a day when you are trying to put forth an idea or like, Brian, like you said, think outside the box, mm. innovate, push the status quo. The number one answer is typically we can't. Mm -hmm. We can't, we can't, we can't because of this, because of this, because of this. And I sometimes think if we were to take a moment and replace the word can't with won't, where people had to actually say in a meeting or, you know, in a situation where we're trying to improve a process or trying to root cause solve something, would they be as willing to say, I won't do that instead of I can't? Mm -hmm. Because we as people will always have a million reasons why something can't be done. And, and so it just, that's where my brain went is if we substituted can't for won't, would that potentially, would people be will, be unwilling to say that they won't do something that they're constantly saying right now that they can't? I agree. Yeah, I think being risk averse protects you, but it also guarantees that you're going to sit there and stagnate and not do anything. Mm -hmm. You know, it, you have to be willing to fail. And I know that's cliche nowadays. But you have to be willing to fail and fail forward, or your your the competition is going to overtake you. Whatever that competition mm -hmm, is, mm -hmm. if you're going to be completely risk averse and you're not willing to do something, someone else is going to do it first, and or the industry is going to just move without you. Some other hospital system is going to make the change that you won't make, or whether it's you know a cutting vendor or whatever it is, mm -hmm. it's going to happen. Somebody's going to do it. And um, you end up just sitting there kind of holding the bag. And I, and I really think that's almost a pandemic in itself in the healthcare industry is the complete unwillingness. But 2020 has forced it on us, and we've seen it, and we've seen that it can be good, and we've seen that a lot of things can work. But prior to this, you know, I couldn't even imagine some of these things happening. Mm -hmm. And um, because of the risk-averse nature and the hierarchical structure, uh, the outdated models that are built into healthcare. I just, just it. I don't know if it's because maybe I've been in it too long, but it really frustrates me because I believe that we could be so much more forward than where we are, and we're just now talking about social determinants of health. We're just mm -hmm. now talking about going out and dealing with people and meeting them where they are in the community and dealing with those health needs. We're just now talking about, you know, 
uh, critical thinking, and it seems like we're just now talking about it in the CDI encoding world. It's probably been going on for a few years. But um, why did these things take so long to happen? It's just, I don't know, it's something that I spend a lot of time talking about, how slow we move and how risk-averse we are and how that stifles growth and innovation. And I'm not saying that our little podcast is in any way going to knock a dent in that, but (laughs) I think that you're going to, as you start to empower people to say, why can't we do it this way? I would like to see that background noise turn into an industry-wide low roar that eventually turns into, you know, an avalanche of progress. Um, so if you, if from in the small little CDI sphere, if you kind of wonder what motivates me and the stuff that I say, even when it sounds mean, you know, Alan says mean things, whatever it is, a lot of it comes from just trying to, to break those walls down and look at everything from a different way. Mm-hmm. You know, if Lori, my old boss, you know, for access told me I overanalyze, but you know, so be it if that if that's what that means if that's how that translates and I'm overanalyzing everything, I'm okay with that honestly. And Amy is a good is a good partner and you're doing it too. I mean you know you started a podcast, you're talking about issues, you're talking about people's careers, how they got from where they were to where they are and where they're going in the future. Um, you know I think I think the stuff is only going to grow and increase and I think it's a good thing and it's exciting to me. Yeah. Sorry, I know I'm rambling, so I'll, I'll hush there. No, I think the 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 I think when when people say they can't, it it means um, either they can't or they don't know how, right? And or they're not willing to to um, take that as you mentioned the risk. But usually, when they think of risk, they're thinking you know in in creating a solution, they think they have to do the whole solution at one time. You know, like take a big bite. <laughs> or as you say, the avalanche of progress. And so when you have a problem, of course, you know, you got to take it one step at a time. And so if we take that one step. I mean, this, this podcast, your podcast, having these dialogues on the internet, LinkedIn, um, it's just a small step, you know, starting the conversation from the conversation, then we could always build. And I think that's what people say. They can't, they won't because they, they, they they think they have to take a huge step. No, just take a small step. One small step, and then we could take another step after that, and then we'll take another step from there. And then from there, we'll look back and we'll we'll see the progress uh, that is being made. Now, going back to, to your LinkedIn post, Alan, <laughs> which is the reason why I wanted you to have a podcast is because, you know, when I read it, I'm like, oh, sounds kind of mean. I'm like, but then I've I've heard you on webinars. I've of course I've saw your your um your presentation at Actus. I'm like, this guy is a different person when he speaks, you know. So that that comes to a very good point is like, you know, when people type, and I see it a lot. Like there's a lot of uh, I don't want to say. Well, first of all, there is miscommunication, I guess, and then there's also misunderstanding. You know, when you look at posts online. And then the reason why I do the podcast, I'm like, you know, it's it sounds different when you speak it, you know. And so when I hear your podcast episodes, it puts um, it puts a little context to the the LinkedIn post that you post you, you post online. I'm like, OK, <laughs> Alan's a Alan's a level headed, you know, cool guy. Uh, so that's the reason why, like, I, I think when people that's the reason why I, I'm pushing people to create podcasts to do videos because when they type all of these, you know, these huge blogs, I'm like, I'm trying to listen how, listen in my head, how they sound. But unless I never heard them, it may, came, it may come off 
a certain way. So unless you kind of take yourself to the next level and doing audio, I mean, audio is the next step. And then after that, video is another step um, and challenging yourself professionally. Um, it, it makes, to me, a better context of the person uh, or the information that I'm receiving that person, that the, the, per, the information from the person that I'm receiving it from. So, uh, I mean, I'm glad that you have this podcast because I, I, you know, I, I would rather hear you versus read it. Because you know it it it, it does it does uh, it does provide more context in what you're trying to portray. Oh no, I have to decide if that's uh, if that's an insult or a compliment or maybe a little <laughs> of both. I will it's, say it's that a compliment. You know, I agree. I agree with you, right? Like probably twenty percent of my posts are very direct mm. and very direct, straightforward. And sometimes I'll throw a little sarcasm in there, I'll throw a little dark <laughs> humor in there, throw a little joke. But I get it though, uh, you know, a little you know, pithy tone to it or whatever. But uh, it, a lot of times it's just meant, it, it is meant for shock value. It's meant to people to stop and go, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> Have I ever looked at it that way? Should I look at it that way? Yeah. Is this guy crazy? Is he just being funny? You know, I think probably 70, 80% of my posts are not that way. Mm. But the ones that are that way, not to say it's clickbait, but the ones that are that way sometimes get more attention, which mm-hmm. is fortunate and unfortunate all at the same time, right? right? You get that sort of, well, that escalated fast moment, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes. But, um, yeah, I mean, thanks thanks for the, I appreciate the, the feedback on I, I am kind of a nice person uh, yeah. IRL uh, for the most part. Uh, we all have our flaws, and I'm a little bit more firm in, in some of my written word. Um, but you're always nice, Brian. You're always super nice no matter what. <laughs> I try to you be, it out. but here's the thing. I want to be more mean. I think that's, I think that's the, that's, that's what I want to do. Right. I want to, I want to portray myself more meaner, I guess more, more like when I look at you, I'm like, I want to, I want to talk like that. I want to, I want to like, like add that certain shock value, <laughs> you know? And so when I, you know, I, I'm trying to do it in certain topics, but then, you know, like, like, um, but I guess my my persona as a as a mean guy it won't come out properly. It's just like, right. oh Brian, you know, how, you, you're kind of funny guy. You're not you're not that kind of mean guy, you know. <laughs> it's, it it doesn't have the true ring of authenticity. There you and go. And that especially comes through on video more so than it's easier to doctor your voice and yes. they can't see your smile, mm-hmm. etc. Um, but on film, you know, that's some people just don't have it in them to be the mean, you know, cranky person up on their, up on their (laughs) soapbox. And when, when I recorded the first podcast with Alan, Mm. I said, your voice doesn't sound anything like I had imagined it. Right. And he's like, well, what were you thinking? (laughs) And my, this is just based off the written word. right? Right. So based on what he said in his posts and like what he says in his articles, I figured his voice would be more like Mr. Wilson from Dennis the Menace, like, <laughs> get off my lawn. And so the very first time I talked to him, I'm like, he sounds nothing like yeah, I thought he was going right. to sound. So I, I just don't think you could be mean if it's not in your nature to be mean. Right. No, I agree. What do you think, Alan? <laughs> that is hilarious, Brian. But you know what? I think you. I think that you could probably find another stick. Like I bet you'd be really good with, uh, you know, throwing a couple of jokes. Maybe do the dad joke thing, you know, 
or something. You can find some other way to make people want to want to click in or, or watch because they're going they're going to want to know what you're going to what else you're going to do, yeah. right? I think, and that's the show business part. I think that Amy and I are trying to figure out. Of. Yeah, you want to give go. that information. This is that infotainment thing that we said we would get we would get to, right? Mm-hmm. You want to give that information. You want the person to learn, but you also want them to actually. Get a little smile on their face, maybe chuckle a little or roll their eyes or something that's going to make them want to click back in next week. And that's where that idea of the infotainment was really born of, you know, what is, what is he going to do next? You yeah. know, uh, what's he going to say? And some people are really, I'm not that great of being an entertainer and an informer, but um, it's it's probably in some ways at least still better than, like you said, the webinar approach. Yeah. And that's what you, you want the person to be like, oh, I really don't feel like listening to a webinar, but I could probably listen to Alan and Amy talk for 20 minutes. Yeah. So I'll I'll click into that. And, and uh, you know, you're already, you know, eight-tenths of the way there. I, you know, and we're further than that. We're probably five-tenths of the way there. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that's the secret sauce is – Making the person actually care about you, not just what you're going to tell them, but like, I want to watch this YouTube channel because I really want to see Brian tonight. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whatever it is that Brian's doing, Brian's personality is what's bringing me to the table. And then I'm going to learn something while I'm there. Yeah. That's so right. So finding that niche, you know? I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. Right. I, I think that's the that's the idea of, of all of this, of, of doing all of this stuff is, is to bring out the person, the presenter, right? And because um, usually when I when I call people up to, I mean, not yourself, but like, I, you know, just my the next guest um, th- or anybody that I ask to be on on the podcast, the immediate question that I'll guess is what are we going to talk about? <laughs> you know, as if it was going to be what's the webinar topic of the day for the podcast episode? And I'm like, no, it's not going to be a podcast. I mean, it's not going to be a webinar. It's going to be more a conversation. And so this goes to like, you know. Eventually, when we do speaking events in person, I mean, I'd like what I'm trying to do is take whatever I mean, even for yourself, you know, take this podcast type of interview we feel and then bring it onto the stage. Right. So what I'm expecting, I mean, I see it like maybe like open forums and stuff like that. But like, you know, real conversations like take this, whatever you guys are doing, then put it live on a stage. You know, could you imagine that? I mean, that, that's something that if you promote it right, that'll get a lot of attention for that conference or whatever it may be. Um, but this is the reason why we do it now is because we could do it independently. We don't need a specific association to to do all of this stuff, you know. So, um, like, for example, uh, a conference coming up uh, this year. Yeah, this year. I'm, I'm already I'm, I'm getting away from doing speaking events by myself. I'm now grabbing somebody like hey do you want to do a podcast episode but as a in a conference (laughs) and then they're like sure why not because anytime i do a speaking event um even if it's by myself i treat it like a podcast episode because when i'm on the stage or whatever it may be i'll engage with the audience as if it was a podcast episode so any even the actus conference i had a i had a co i had a co-speaker and so I think who asked me? Somebody asked me, well, how did it how did it go? It just felt like a podcast episode. So could you imagine doing conferences now, like taking your live podcast, taking a specific topic, and could you imagine how easy the um 
the uh, proposal submittal is, is so much easier now because you already have topics, you already talked about this and that, and then you already have a co-speaker and you already have chemistry. And then doing the, the just one hour alone, I mean, it's just it's just a cakewalk. <laughs> it's just a, it's just well, that, a walk in the park. Funny. That's funny because Amy and I just tentatively accepted. Uh, I was invited to do a speaking and I was like, hey, um, Amy, do you want to co-present with me? Yeah. So uh, I think we're going to be uh, – she's going to be um, first list. I think we're going to change it. It's going to be Amy and Alan because she's the brains. Mm-hmm. I'm just the pretty face, I think. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> Alan. so we're, we're working on it. We're working on that already. It is easier that way for sure. Yeah. Um, no, I think that's – but I really keyed in on what you were talking about, Brian. I mean there's got to be a better way to monetize it and, and be able to have the CEUs, mm. but – you know, because that's the thing. It's like you're – that's how organizations justify paying sending someone to the conference yeah. is the CEUs that they mm-hmm. come away with. But there's got to be some sort of – I don't want to say loophole because it's, it's not anything shady, but a way for infotainment to be valued in the sense that you can get CEUs for it because mm-hmm. I'm willing to bet that there are certain people – that may listen to our podcast and take away something more about our discussion of the guidelines and the interplay and how that affects malnutrition queries than they would have sitting in a 60 minute session going through PowerPoint slides on malnutrition. So it's, it's one of those things where I wish there was a better way to quantify the impact and the takeaways Mm -hmm. Because I do think infotainment has a space um, from a learning and education perspective, oh, for sure. you know, and and I wish there was more of that. I would go to a conference if 50% or more of the programming was infotainment yeah. interspersed with those kind of dry clinical lectures. Yeah. yeah, you learn better when you're engaged. I mean, there's a reason why Neil deGrasse Tyson uses that format now mm-hmm. and, and there's a reason why Joe Rogan's so popular. You learn more when you're engaged with what's going on and then you have the information as the kind of the um, the core the core principle of the conversation is the learning part, but then you're engaged because of the conversation that goes around that center focus or that center mm-hmm. title. And I that was something I tried for years to always work into my boot camps when I was, you know, an instructor for Actus is, you know, tell a joke every four or five slides, yeah. tell a real clinical story about something happened to a mm-hmm. real patient every four or five slides. So, you know, every 10 slides you've worked in a joke and a story. Mm-hmm. There will always be a couple of people who don't like that, but for, for everyone else, they actually remember the information better. Um, so yeah, that's, that's, uh, it's the future of learning, perhaps. No, I, I agree. And the way to, I think, I think the, the what I well, the reason why I'm trying to get into into YouTube is to learn that monetization aspect because um, there are I know YouTube has a monetization model, uh, a subscription based model. That's that's the word is a specific subscription based mm-hmm. model where the where the educator or whoever the the, the person providing the infotainment can create their own specific, their own individual subscription model to themselves. So in, the, I think, who was it? 
Blue Garcia, right? She has, and Victoria Mall. There are two people who are on podcasts. The, I know Victoria Mall has a subscription-based model for YouTube. And uh, Blue Garcia has a subscription-based model off of Patreon. I don't know if you heard of that, of yeah. where they have a monthly program. And basically, her Patreon is paying for her education. So I don't know if anybody knew um from blue garcia when you look at her i know blue is probably listening to this but but i didn't realize she only had at least from her linkedin profile she only had her cca so she's she's doing coding she's doing videos with just a cca so what she's doing at least she didn't tell me but i'm trying to figure it out is is that she created this patreon and she told me in the podcast episode that she's just doing it um for her education so could you imagine she's doing youtube videos cca getting you know you know monthly you know subscription to help pave her way for her career so could you imagine somebody else like myself if i create a model like this you know i guess the the idea for me is to create a subscription-based model where i can actually pay to i'm still figuring that out how to be a vendor or whatever it may be to be able to administer ceus so that way you know for example if i create a patreon i'll have a specific set amount and then per month i'm just gonna say it'll make me be like 10 to 20 per month let's say and then out of that let's say for the 10 per month maybe once a month you'll get a a free a ceu out of that because all of the money depending on how many people on the crowdsourcing that's involved will create that monthly payment for that vendor i guess i don't know i still got to figure that out and then you create ceus that way on the back end under a paywall uh through patreon through uh youtube whatever it may be i think that's that's another way of doing things so that's something i'm trying to figure out but only if i you know if i start that first video <laughs> which which will be this month that is awesome you know some of those educational companies big the big box ones that yeah. I won't say brick and mortar ones, but the ones that have relied on giving out CEUs uh, for part of their income, they're they're probably sweating right now listening to you talk about that. <laughs> but but you know that's that is awesome. I love that story. Uh, you know, people you using it to teach other people, get some money to pay for school, give CEUs. It's a win win win. Yeah, yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. All right, folks. So, um, well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we're at almost at the second hour mark so let me <laughs> let's yep. go let's go ahead and wrap this one up so uh last two questions uh let's go back to amy uh what's the future hold for you oh my gosh your guess is as good as mine <laughs> <laughs> um i have my newest position i just transitioned um mm-hmm. employers in january so i am still in that drinking from a fire hose mm-hmm. like exciting part of uh, you know one of the reasons i was hired was to be a change agent at an enterprise level and so i think that's going to keep me busy for for quite some time um I, I hope that Alan will keep me around as his sidekick. <laughs> and um, Or it should be the other way. You're, you're going to keep Alan as your sidekick. <laughs> you said it, not me. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I think for, for the first time in my life, I've kind of been a gypsy, like geographically or 
changing careers. I've never been afraid to move states, move jobs. You know, Alan talks about risk averse personality. I am the antithesis of risk averse. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, and luckily my family's just kind of come along for the ride. So I actually think what the future holds, uh, hopefully for me is a little bit more settling into stability and not acceptance Mm -hmm. of the status quo, but just sort of normalcy. Mm. Um, I've never sort of been in any position that was monotonous. Um, I would kind of leave before it ever got to that point. Mm. So I'm looking forward to some, some degree of monotony so that every single day isn't such a fire drill. Gotcha. What about you, Alan? Sorry, I was on mute. So, um, you know, that's also a really tough question. I know it doesn't feel like it this week, but in my mind, I'm actually pulling back a little from the CDI world Mm -hmm. and my profile there because I'm hoping to start school um, this Mm -hmm. fall to get my master's in public health with a focus on health uh, management. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where that's going to take me. Honestly, I'm just going to go with the flow. Uh, I, I just, honestly, just for the sake of learning, even if it doesn't change my job at all, getting another two years of education really appeals to me because I'm just naturally curious and I like to learn. I've been wanting to do it for a long time, mm-hmm. but you know, I, I'm looking for something actually on a, on a, on a bigger stage once I get some more education and not necessarily a bigger stage in the CDI arena, but a bigger stage in healthcare period. Mm. So, but I don't know what that is or what that's going to look like or if it'll even happen. It's just a thought, you know, I'm going to be taking some classes. Don't worry. I'll still be on the, on the podcast. I'll still be uh, making people angry on LinkedIn. (laughs) It it may start to have a public health flair to it, right? Because I usually talk about what I'm doing. Mm So you may see a little change in the particular content as I find something new to complain about. But um, in the meantime, we'll keep up everything as normal. We'll see where it goes. And hopefully we can come back on the show and talk about it one day. Great. And let's get to last words of advice. Uh, Amy. Um, I think hopefully my pathway to coding is is a demonstration of the fact that there is definitely not a linear route to being successful in this industry. Um, you can come from completely outside of it. And I think it's, it's really about, um, it's about doing the work and never that, that quench for learning and information, you know, don't ever sort of let that be quelled and become complacent. It really is about kind of immersing yourself in it and and really trying to soak up as much as possible. Um, and and so, you know, if you're if you're struggling, I think a lot of us get into it, have a lot of motivation and um, a lot of engagement. And then kind of over the years, you kind of reach that midpoint and it's sort of like, what's in this for me? Um, and so I would just say that there's always an opportunity or a pathway, even if it's nonlinear to, to sort of continue to grow and progress in the profession. And this is my risk averse sort of voice talking. But I think the other thing is, is a lot of people stay where they're at 
dissatisfied or maybe not as successful as they could be, um, not as valued as they could be because there's a fear of the unknown. What happens if I quit my job? What happens if I leave for another organization and it doesn't work out? And I would say, I think the thing that I've learned in my piece of advice is obviously you have to do what's best for you, but don't let fear limit your belief in yourself. Like sometimes that, sometimes the grass is greener and sometimes it is worth taking that chance because you flourish where you're planted. And, um, you know, sometimes you've got to pick up and (laughs) plant yourself somewhere else. So that's my best advice is just keep going, keep pushing and, um, you know, don't stay stuck. Um, if you're stuck and you're feeling that way, it's probably more about you than the job or the place that you're working. And so you have the power to unstick yourself. Mm, nice. All right, Alan, take it home. All right. Well, it's kind of unfortunate that her advice is going to mirror what I was going to say in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, but you know, I, I think that one of the best decisions that I ever made was a decision to never stop learning and learn something new every day um, and to always question what I think I know. Mm-hmm. So, so take take something that I think is true and then find another way to test it, reason it through or prove it other than my gut feeling or what I thought I knew. And I do that every single day. So it's not just a, a personality that I play on the podcast, right? That's that's really my true nature is I'm always trying to learn something that I didn't previously know or test something that I thought I knew that might be wrong. So I encourage people to always have an open mind and always be willing to say I was wrong um, and always being to be willing to look at things a different way. And that's going to kind of lend itself to what Amy was saying about one of the worst things that I ever did was when I was in a job that I was comfortable in and nobody bothered me and I just got a, that was, this was when I was a coder. Okay. So a pay, nobody bothered me as a coder. Honestly, a check just showed up in my bank account every other Friday. And, um, I rarely had to talk to anybody and I rarely had to do too much. I just did what I did and checks showed up in my bank account. And so that was very comfortable. And one of the, one of the things that I think I did that was probably a mistake was that because I enjoyed that comfort level for 12 years, I didn't challenge myself to do anything else. And while that went on, I observed peers moving way up ahead of me professionally. And I, so I, I think don't get too comfortable in your comfort zone. You know, that's scary. And of course, right now, nobody should be taking chances, right? Nobody should be spending extra money or doing extra things or taking risks. But in the very near future, this will pass, and I would I would tell people to not be afraid to fail and don't get too comfortable in the comfort zone. So there you have it. That completes my interview with Alan Frady and Amy Char from the podcast Coder vs. CDI. You could check out Alan and Amy on LinkedIn, and you could check out the podcast Coder vs. CDI by going to Infotainment for CDI and Coders. .buzzsprout.com Their podcast is also on major podcasting platforms including Apple, Spotify, and so much more. Before I end the podcast, I wanted to give you guys a YouTube update. Uh, Most recently, I posted a test video on LinkedIn 
got some good feedback. So I started scripting the first episode or the first video, and I will be releasing that next week. So please stay tuned. So in the meantime, you could check out the Medical Coding Geek YouTube channel. I don't have a specific web address for that, but if you go to YouTube and check out Medical Coding Geek, you can go ahead and subscribe and uh, you'll be notified when the first video premieres. Medicalcodinggeek.com